0: Hello and welcome to another teaching from 119 Ministries. Our ministry believes that the whole Bible is true and directly related to our lives today. If you would like to know more about what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. If you enjoy this video, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel by hitting the button down below. We hope that you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. Welcome to part 2 of the 4th and 7th day. In part 1 of this teaching series, we learn how Isaiah 53 has been interpreted by ancient rabbis to be about Messiah as Messiah Ben-Joseph. Psalm 22 is also another good portion to consider in the context of Messiah Ben-Joseph, our Messiah, as the Suffering Servant. Recall what Yeshua proclaimed on the tree. Matthew 27 46 and about the ninth hour, Yeshua cried out with a loud voice, saying, Ali, Ali, Lema Sabathani, that is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeshua cried this out right before his death. One might question what was going through his mind at that moment and the reason why he spoke those words. We will get to that. Before we do, we must note a couple more pieces of critical information found in the event of Yeshua's death. They casted lots for Yeshua's garments. Matthew twenty-seven thirty-five. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. And they pierced Yeshua's side. John nineteen. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. The reason they pierced his side was to make sure he was dead. The fact that blood and water came out meant Yeshua had already died. The reason they made sure he was dead was because they were instructed to break the legs to accelerate death, thus assuring that the bodies could be removed and disposed of before the high sabbath of the first day of unleavened bread. When the legs were broken, the individual being crucified had to hold themselves up physically with their arms, just to take a breath and get air into their lungs. Obviously one can only do that for so long until their strength gives out and they suffocate under their own weight. It was a means to accelerate death, John 19. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with Him. But when they came to Yeshua and saw that He was already dead, they did not break His legs. Yeshua was also mockingly told, Matthew 27, You, and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the Son of God. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. So we learn that Yeshua's legs were not broken, and that lots were cast for his garments. And he was mocked and told to save himself. Again, all in the context of his death when Yeshua cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, verse 35 And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Also keep in mind that given the circumstances Yeshua endured and the events leading up to and including the crucifixion, his strength would have been drained. He would have been massively dehydrated. The piercing of his side released water and blood. He was surrounded by evildoers, and His hands and feet were pierced. Try to keep all of this in mind as we continue. In the first century, Scripture did not have numbers and chapters. To refer to a particular portion of Scripture, they would cite just a few words of it that most were familiar with. Knowing that, we realize that Yeshua is referring to Psalm 22 in the prophetic context of His death as the suffering servant aspect of the Messiah. Psalm 22, verses 1-18 through But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in Yahweh, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb, you made me trust you on my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me, like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shard, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all of my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. Because crucifixion was not yet heard of when King David wrote this psalm, and was not invented until centuries later, this makes the prophecy found in Psalm 22 particularly remarkable. The sample of parallels we just illustrated should make it clear that Psalm 22 is a messianic prophecy. Others, however, have claimed that this Psalm speaks of the sufferings of David when he was pursued by King Saul. Who then is right? Those are really our only two options to consider. Since Psalm 22 was written by David, it is understandable that one might believe that the Psalm refers to him. However, the experiences described in Psalm 22 far exceed anything that ever happened to David. An example of this is found in verses 14 through 18. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shard, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. For you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all of my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. The things that are mentioned here never happened to David. Some say that David was using hyperbole to describe the times when Saul pursued him. However, the sufferings are exactly what one would expect to occur when facing death at the hands of one's enemies. These are not exaggerations. The one suffering is one being mocked, not for a crime, but for trusting in God. Psalm 22 verses 8 through 9. He trusts in Yahweh, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb, you made me trust you at my mother's breasts. David is never described in scripture as being restrained and mocked for trusting in God. Also, scripture neither describes David as counting all of his bones, nor does it describe David's bones as being out of joint. This psalm says a great deal about the suffering one, including... He feels abandoned by God. He has trusted in God. The Lord has been his God since birth. There is a group of people who are mocking him for his trust in God. He is hoping in the Lord, the God of his fathers, to deliver him because there is no one to help him. Like we read in Isaiah 53, he is despised of the people. His suffering is extreme, humiliating, and to the point of death. His adversaries are described in vivid and terrifying ways, including many bulls, strong bulls of Bashan, roaring lions, dogs, wild oxen. The sufferings described in this psalm specifically occurred during crucifixion, including bones being out of joint, the heart being like wax and melted, strength being dried up, and the tongue cleaving to one's throat. Verse 17 also states that he can count all of his bones. This is also stated in Psalm 34 verse 20 in the context of His bones not being broken. Psalm 34, He keeps all His bones, not one of them is broken. We know, of course, that Yeshua's bones were not broken. As already noted, the Psalms describe numerous things that can occur during crucifixion. But wait, there's more. For example, in verse 18, it says that those present would divide His clothes among themselves by casting lots for them. Verse 1 includes Yeshua's quoted words at His crucifixion. However, the most dramatic description of crucifixion occurs in verse 16. In some translations, the last part reads, Psalm 22, verse 16, They pierced my hands and my feet. Other translations, including that of the Jewish Publication Society, translate the verse as follows. Like a lion, they are at my hands and my feet. The key issue is, which translation is correct? If it says, they pierced my hands and my feet, then here is a complete and vivid description of Yeshua's crucifixion hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented. To answer this question, one must look at four issues. Number one, how do the vast majority of Jewish manuscripts translate this verse? Number two, which translation is more in keeping with the context or better fits the surrounding verses? Number three. Which translation better fits the grammatical structure of the passage? And number four, does the Hebrew word in question exist in ancient literature? So, let's answer these questions. How do the vast majority of ancient Jewish manuscripts translate this verse? Those who claim that it says, Like a lion, they were at my hands and my feet, cite the main Masoretic text to support their contention. However, many other Jewish translations translate this portion differently. For example, some manuscripts of the Masoretic Tradition read, They have pierced my hands and my feet. These are two later manuscripts of Kennecott and De Rossi of Ginsburg. This information is included in the apparatus of the Biblia Hebraica Stuttgartensia, bottom of page 1104. The older edition by Rudolf Kittel lists even more Hebrew manuscripts that say, They have pierced or They have pierced. The Midrash on Psalm 22 says, They have made my hands and my feet ugly, or hateful. The Aquila Jewish Greek Translation 1 reads, They have disfigured my hands and my feet. While Translation 2 reads, They have bound my hands and my feet. The Targum from the 1st century reads, They bite like the lion at my hands and my feet. The Symmachus reads, Like those who seek to bind my hands and my feet. The Syriac text reads, They have pierced my hands and my feet. The Old Latin reads, They have dug my hands and my feet. The Septuagint reads, They have bore through my hands and my feet. It's important to note that the Septuagint was translated long before Yeshua came, so these Jewish scholars had no bias. Every version, except the main Masoretic texts, tells us something has happened to the hands and feet of the one suffering. They are either pierced, made to look ugly, bored through, bound, or bitten as by a lion. Of all the versions, only the two mentioned above say something else, something that has nothing to do with the hands and feet specifically. Only these say that the enemies are merely at his hands and feet, while not doing anything to his hands or feet, such as biting, piercing, boring through, or binding. Which translation is more in keeping with the context, or better fits the surrounding verses? The surrounding verses all have references to the body parts of the sufferer. For example, the bones are out of joint, verse 14. His heart is melted like wax, verse 14. His tongue clings to his jaws, verse 15. He can count all of his bones, verse 17. All these parts are being acted against. It makes perfect sense that in this song, the body parts of verse 17, his hands and his feet, would also be acted against. This is exactly what the vast majority of the different manuscripts say. The two exceptions literally read, like a lion, my hands and my feet. Not only is this not a complete sentence, but the anatomical parallelism found throughout the passage is broken because nothing happens to the hands and feet, even though something happens to every other body part mentioned. The majority of manuscripts appeared to correctly preserve this symmetry. In addition, Four metaphors are used to describe the sufferer's enemies. They are described as lions, dogs, bulls, and wild oxen. All of these animals kill their victims by piercing them. The lion and dog bite with spike-like teeth, while the bull and oxen gore with their spiked horns. In fact, in verse 21, the speaker appears to be asking for deliverance from such piercing when he cries out, Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. In addition, the context seems to suggest that the sufferer has already been pierced, as people are not typically delivered from something that has not already befallen them. The Hebrew phrase, according to the two main Masoretic texts, literally reads, like a lion, my hands and my feet. The problem with this translation is that it is not a complete sentence. There is no verb, no infinitive, and no participle. That makes the phrase ambiguous. For example, technically it could mean My hands and my feet are like a lion. However, this would make no sense. Here the sufferer is in a weakened condition. He is not in any condition to attack like a lion. The passage makes it clear that he is a passive victim, not an aggressive lion. Technically, it could also mean a lion is like my hands and my feet. However, this also makes no sense in the context of this passage. The sufferer's hands and feet are not swift, strong, and ready to pounce like a lion. So again, which translation better fits the grammatical structure of the passage? The grammatical structure of the phrase in the two Masoretic texts occurs seven times in the Hebrew Bible, including six times in the Psalms, and in Job 33 verse 3. In every case, except Psalm 22.16, the subject is clearly distinguishable from the object. But in Psalm 22.16, under the main Masoretic rendering, one must guess as to the subject and object with no reason to believe one is correct and another incorrect. If the phrase is read, they have pierced, it contains a verb. In addition, the confusion over the subject object difficulty disappears. The verb in the perfect tense fits the phrase well grammatically, unlike the alternative, like a lion. Certain translations render the verse, A mob of the wicked has encircled me like lions. On my hands and my feet I can count all of my bones. However, this rendering does not fit the pattern of the song. The pattern of the verses is three sets of three words, with every set conveying a different idea. This pattern is easily discernible in verses 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, etc. However, if the phrase is translated, They pierce my hands and my feet, The pattern of the verses is preserved. Here is an important question we should consider. Does the Hebrew word ka'aru meaning, they have pierced, exist in ancient literature? Some claim that the Hebrew word ka'aru does not exist and that Christians made it up. However, according to Kiel and Delitzsch, in their commentary on the Old Testament, volume 5, page 318, and other manuscripts, the variant reading ka'aru is found in the Hebrew text itself. Kiel and Delich point out that the addition of an aleph is also found in Zechariah 14.10 and also in Daniel 7.16. Thus, the additional aleph does not mean that the word is a Christian invention. Another important source, Introduction to the Masoretico Critical Edition of the Hebrew Bible, Numbers 24.9, in the margins of the Masorah Magna, states that their reading in Psalm 22.16 is indeed Ka'aru. The author states that the word has two different meanings when comparing Psalm 22.16 and Isaiah 38.13. He also investigated the charge of scholarly fraud leveled against a printer of the early rabbinic Bible and concluded that there was, in fact, an ancient reading where Psalm 22.16 was Ka'aru, meaning they have pierced. Finally, the reading of Ka'aru as a verb in the perfect third person plural is preserved by the Midrash on Psalms where they made it rendered, they made hateful. Psalm 22 graphically depicts the sufferings of the Messiah in great detail, including His crucifixion. Verse 16 specifically indicates that His hands and feet would be pierced. The rendering, they have pierced, or something similar, makes perfect grammatical sense, fits the context, and fits the poetic pattern of the passage. Like a lion, my hands and my feet is not a sentence. It does not fit the context or the structure of the passage, and it appears nonsensical. In addition, it is contrary to the vast majority of ancient Jewish translations. However, the fact that the Messiah was to be pierced does not hinge merely on Psalm 22, verse 16. Zechariah 12, verse 10 states very clearly that the Messiah would be pierced or thrust through. No Jewish translation disputes Zechariah 12.10 speaks of such piercing. This passage states that Israel will ultimately turn to this pierced one and will then be redeemed from all of her uncleanness. What certainly needs to be mentioned is that Yeshua is not the first Jew to be crucified by the Romans. However, in order for one to be slain for the transgressions for Israel, one must have never sinned against God, Ever. And we learned that in another teaching in the Berit Hadashah series titled, His Sacrifice, in which Moses tried to make atonement for Israel, but our Creator clearly said that Moses could not. Why? Because God said that anyone who has sinned against God will be blotted out of the book of life. Thus, Yeshua is the only person who is ever qualified to do what Moses tried to do, because Yeshua was different in such a way that he had never sinned against God. This concludes the portion of the teaching that covers the Messiah ben Yosef as the role of the Messiah. In the third part of this teaching, we will examine the Messiah ben David role of the Messiah in some detail. And then in the conclusion of this teaching series, we will examine the structure of the tabernacle and reveal how its design, hidden in the Torah, revealed the timing of both roles of the Messiah, Messiah ben Yosef and Messiah ben David. We hope that this teaching has blessed you. And remember, continue to test everything. Shalom. It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.